subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Coffee the Council. I'm Brad Hull. I'm an attorney with Hickey & Hull Law Partners. This episode is going to be a little different than our normal format. Last week, we spent a lot of time talking about the Alex Murdaugh trial. Uh, if, you, if you haven't heard of him, I would strongly recommend you do a quick Google and catch up on it. It was a really interesting trial and case out of South Carolina, and it ended up catching a lot of national attention after some documentaries came out while the trial was ongoing. And a little look behind the curtain on how we typically do our podcast is we, we usually record it towards the end of the week and then we'll get it ready and post it the next week. And at the end of last week, the main thing we wanted to talk about was the Murdoch trial. And so for those that didn't follow along with us on social media where we've, we've already posted this and several other videos, um, we wanted to include it as our podcast, just our final sort of wrap up debriefing as we discussed the jury verdict, and our final thoughts on that case. So that's what we're going to have here as our podcast this week, and I'll sign off for now, and then once I sign off, you'll get that video that we recorded, the audio from that, uh, as our podcast. Thanks for listening, as always. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Coffee with Counsel. I'm Brad Hull. I'm here with Kevin Hickey and Caitlin Brainerd. Good morning. Hey. And today we are talking about the Alex Murdoch trial and, and the verdict that came in yesterday. Um, wanted to go live last night, but it came in right around dinner time. It was kind of a weird time <laughs> that the verdict came in, so we didn't get to it and wanted to get to it first thing today. Um, of course, the biggest news from yesterday, the most important thing is that Kevin now owes me a steak dinner. <laughs> if, if, if he didn't... That's true. That's true. Yeah. If you didn't catch, hey, I didn't know till last night after this happened. Did you know you can get a two ounce filet mignon? I didn't know that. (laughs) Wow. Well, as soon as cut for Brad. Yeah, we're going to call it the Bradley cut. As soon as we knew the, (laughs) as soon as we knew the verdict was in, and it was so fast, uh, Kevin called me trying to find out where I was seeing that. I think, and the first thing I said to him was. You know, I want a nice steak dinner, not uh, not Waffle House steak or something like that. <laughs> and and that's this this is what we call a segue here because this morning a juror came out and I kind of expected we'd see one of them pretty quick. He came on, I think it was Good Morning America, and he said it took them forty five minutes to an hour to reach their decision. So didn't not- they deliberate for over three hours though? Well, de- it was three hours total, the deliberation time, but apparently they had their decision within an hour. Wow. Yeah. that's. I- I've heard that from other juries that have fairly fast verdicts. They almost feel like we can't go, we can't just go right back out there this fast. You know, we need to. Yeah. Well, I joking, hanging out. I jokingly said yesterday, the only reason it took as long as it did is they wanted dinner. They, they uh, I think they, I think they might have had a verdict pretty quick, and then said, "Well, are we having pizza for dinner tonight, or something better?" And figured out what they were going to get, and then ate their dinner. But 
I, I honestly have no idea how that works. And um, well, with that timeline, and I think that they, I, I was not surprised at all, though, to know that it took them less than an hour. Uh, so sticking with the timing thing for a minute, I talked with another attorney on the phone when the deliberations started. And we were talking about how long uh, she asked me how long I thought it would take. And I said, well, it's going to be interesting because you really never know. I said, but they're supposed to go till 10 o'clock tonight. And I made the comment. I, I just don't see them being finished tonight. I said, now, if they go past Friday, that's going to be a problem for the prosecution. But I also said, it's going to be interesting. I bet we get a verdict tomorrow because they're going to be thinking, I don't want to deal with this all weekend. I don't want to come back Monday. Mm-hmm. So I think it was interesting that the trial ended on a late on a Thursday and that weekend coming up, you know, sometimes jurors want to get it over with. Well, I think that this case is a kind of neat example for the general public on how the trials proceed that aren't TV trials, because this was not a, a big TV trial when it first started. It was obviously it was on TV, but there there wasn't that much media attention to it. We didn't have these high profile attorneys coming in from out of state to try it. Uh, we didn't have that dynamic. And then in the middle of the trial, it became a national story. And when you watched it, there were a lot of things about it that were I kept coming back to the word unpolished. And I think that when I when I thought about what's the jury doing, who's sitting there, it was to me, it was I didn't want to get caught up in this is a TV trial. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline, where the game starts. Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. Well, I can uh, continue. I Sorry, I was getting I was getting a call that wanted to interrupt me here, but it, it wasn't it wasn't a TV trial, and so you these these lawyer these these jurors I, I didn't want to say they were simple minded, but I did expect them to be kind of simple about it and more like your everyday case gets considered. And so if you if you viewed this case and you felt like the jurors did not look hard enough at the evidence and. If you really look at it all, you can see there's reasonable doubt and they didn't meet their burden of proof. And you have a real problem with the fact he was convicted. You know, that's real life. (laughs) And there are people getting convicted on less with bigger holes all the time. And so I, I would I would encourage you to maybe think about how that applies to our criminal justice system more broader. Uh 
if if that's your feeling on it. But for me, you know, I felt like there was enough to convict him here. And so I was not surprised that the jurors did as well because I, I do criminal defense. You know, so if they convinced me then I figured they could convince these jurors. Well, and I think that you have to remember, too, like, it's really easy to be just like a regular person looking in on a case and think, you know, exactly what the jurors are thinking or feeling, whatever. But they have such a unique perspective because um, they can only consider the facts that they've been presented with. And that's super hard, I think, to keep in mind if you're not on the jury. He's like, well, what about all this other stuff? It's like, well, all that other stuff might not have been presented to the jury. So maybe that's well, why they had such a quick verdict. And they also were sitting in that room with him. And that matters more than people probably think. And, and it came up in that in the interview with the juror this morning where he said uh, he was asked, did Alex Murdoch's crying on the stand not affect you? And he said he didn't cry. And she said, what? And he said, he blew snot. I watched his eyes. I was sitting from, you know, a few feet from him. He never had a tear come out of his eyes. That was pretty powerful to me when he said that. And it's just something that we as the observers on TV, we didn't feel it the way the jury did. And you can't discount that at all. Well, that's part of the whole thing. That's part of a whole trial is being able to see and hear and watch all the things that are going on. And it's important. It's important part of your case. Yeah, it is for sure. For sure. Um, I'm assuming the juror just said that there was just overwhelming evidence. Um, that's that's probably why. I mean, that's really the only conclusion you can draw from that fast of a, of a verdict. Um, yeah, and and Kevin, I'll cut you off real quick just to tell you, since I, I know you guys didn't see catch that this morning. Um, he actually said exactly like you said they would do. They went in and they did a straw poll to start it out. And it was nine guilty, two not guilty, and one undecided. And um, then they deli- you know, they talked about it. He said they talked about it 45 minutes to an hour, and it was just clear. And at that point, we made our decision. And it did – the way he talked about it, it did feel a little bit like those, those two not guilties might have just kind of said, okay, we agree. <laughs> but they, they only had two when they went back there to start with that were even considering that at that point. And uh, not too surprising to me, given everything that was presented, eventually they, they got them convinced. And he said the biggest thing for them was the video that showed he was there and that he had lied about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's something we all latched onto. And that's interesting because you remember when we talked yesterday, I mentioned, I said, are you going to get two people on that jury that are saying not guilty and they just won't let it go because they're looking at the law and that's what happened. But we also talked about there's 12 different personalities in that room and some are willing to say, you know, you're right and kind of go the other way. And some are like a dog with a bone and won't let it go. And if one of those two or even both of them would have been those kinds of people that won't let it go, they'd they'd still be deliberating right now. And um, Mm -hmm. that is what was leading me to think it would be a hung jury because there would be a a small number of people in there that for whatever reason felt like the prosecution didn't prove their case and they would hold out and you get stuck. But I tell you, it's interesting. And I don't, I have not looked to confirm this, but supposedly the juror that got dismissed 
um, was had mentioned her opinion was that she thought he was innocent. Um, now I have not confirmed that, yeah. but um, you know, I I'm surprised by that. Change things, huh? Yeah, was I'm, this I'm, a- I'm surprised by that because uh, she struck me as somebody who would have been looking to convict him just by hearing her talking about her eggs in the juror room and things like that. <laughs> I yeah. kind of thought the prosecution would have been uh, missing her a little bit. Was the um, jury or did they have to expand the jury pool? And were these some people from like outside of that county? Usually I'm not certain on that, but usually they have alternate jurors that are selected. So, you know, the 12 that are in the box, but then there's at least two, three, I don't know how many they did on this one. If, if I were the judge, I would have done at least three or four alternates for a trial that's going to last this long, just in case. So I don't know how they do it in South Carolina, uh, but uh, I assume those alternate jurors just sat there and listened just like everybody else. And I, I have no idea. And the trial was all... in Hampton County. It was all like within the same county so. and stuff. Yeah, and I, so. I, I mean, and I don't I, know for I certain. I watched the two uh, documentaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was just saying I watched the two documentaries. I know Hampton County is pretty small, so I'd be really interested to know where the jurors are from, um, especially if they were all from Hampton County. I would really love to know that versus if they were from outside of the county. I thought it had like to know that. I'd have to go back and look. It's because obviously it's been several weeks since it all started and anybody was really looking at the initial filings and stuff. I thought they changed venue and moved it somewhere else, but I may be wrong. I mean, if I were the prosecutor, I would be screaming for a change of venue. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that they're that well liked there. (laughs) I will will say whatever county it was, I was very impressed with the judge. I thought he – I really liked him. He seemed very even keeled. Um, And I didn't see all of his rulings, but uh, I I thought he really kept control of the courtroom, and uh, I I did like him. You could sense his fatigue a little bit towards the end, but I think any – any lawyer who's been through a long trial, uh, certainly I've never been one that long, but that's just part of it. Judge, judge has to move it along at a certain point. Did y'all watch the HBO documentary or just the Netflix one? I've not watched the HBO documentary yet. It's Um, good. It's so different than the Netflix. My wife and I actually knew about this story well over a year ago, we watched uh, Dateline in 2020, and both of those shows did did uh, uh, programs about this. And so we knew about this story. Um, and I remember when this trial started, I, I told her, oh, that's that show we watched. And there were some thing, a lot of things brought out in those shows. Uh, and then it was fleshed out even more in the Netflix. But uh, uh a lot of, lot of stuff going on with that family, and I don't think this is the end of it, to be honest. Oh, no way. And, and just, to, just to tell you guys, uh, I, I double-checked it because I, I was thinking it was not in Hampton County. I couldn't remember where they were at. They were in uh, Colleen County, which is actually where the murders happened. And, I and don't that's think just like it, one county over, I think. It is, it is, but I don't think anybody requested a venue change, and that's where they had it. Interesting. <laughs> one thing that... I 
I kept coming back to with this as well was just the practical side of trying a case, whether the fact finder is a jury or judge, th this is more where practice gets away from theory. And it's that whenever you have the prosecution able to present enough evidence, substantial evidence that what they are accusing the person of most likely happened, the defense almost has a burden shift to them. And that's not really how it's supposed to work, but I think in mind of the fact finders, it does. And they, they have to present some sort of reasonable theory that you can believe that would, you know, exculpate him, that would remove him from liability. And in this case, it was just lacking because what they were saying, their position was he had no involvement in the murders. And that just was not believable with all of the evidence presented. And I, and I expected that to really resonate with the jurors too. And I, and I think it did because he didn't say it exactly that way, but he kept saying he lies. He's, he was just lying about everything and we didn't believe anything he had to say. So I, I know that technically that's not how it's supposed to work, but that's the way I've seen it play out. And it, it doesn't matter to me that if you're trying a misdemeanor in district court, or in this case, you're trying a murder case. If you can't really pr present a reasonable possibility of how these things could have happened that didn't involve the defendant, you're in trouble. You're in real trouble. And they just didn't have that at all. Well, and he's just such an unlikable defendant, too. I don't know why he spent his time up there on the stand. He wasted Whatever, but that's well, beyond. Well, OJ this. Simpson agrees with you. Shouldn't have said <laughs> I know. Well, and you know, if there's he's not an expert. No, <laughs> right. No, yeah. he's no expert. <laughs> well, and and Caitlin, from what I've seen, and obviously his attorneys have not talked about strategy, but most of the attorneys that I've seen on on television, I can, and I agree with them. I don't think the plan was for him to testify until that. No. Video, when the video came out. They were like, oh, he's got to get up there and, and explain something. Now, I don't know if that's what actually happened or not, but that would make sense. Mm. Well, well, I well, can imagine that it was him saying at the last minute, yeah, I'm really going to get up there and take the stand. And his, I'm sure his attorney was like, no, I wouldn't. And then I'm sure he was like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Well, Because unfortunately, take, well, that's how it happened in a case of mine just the other day. <laughs> well, let me take one quick minute just to recognize the fact that his attorney's name was Dick Harputlian, which is what? just incredible no. in a case like this, that his attorney would have such a name. And then another kind of funny type thing about this case that came up in the prosecution's rebuttal that I want to I want to note uh, was when he talked about uh, the. I think he said his wife told him this, whether that's believable or not, I don't know. But he said his wife told him, isn't it interesting that your best witness in this case ended up being that dog Bubba? Because that's what got Bubba got Alex to yell at him, Bubba, Bubba. And that's how we knew he was on that video at 845. And thank God for Bubba. When he said that, I just kind of laughed. I said, man, what a what a summation of this South Carolina drama. You know, if you're writing the book on it, you may you may title it. Thank God for Bubba. But it's oh, so it's God. so crazy how that one little thing, 
happening at that specific time caused him to get outed on that video and it's probably the difference and him getting convicted for the murders and everybody having that finality versus not because I, I really don't know if they get there without that without his lie so um i was talking to drake last night about you know what we think that the sentence is going to be obviously um, i think that they're probably going to give him two life sentences but i'm curious um how they're going to sentence on these financial crimes i wonder are they going to null process a whole bunch of those and just kind of like give him another hundred i think i saw that there was a potential like 750 years for maximum sentence for all the financial crimes i mean this man's never getting out but i wonder what they're going to do with that well some of the attorney the talking head lawyers on TV talked about that on the financial crimes, what the prosecutors may do. And they were not, it was not a matter of if it was a matter of when, and they were, they were just talking about timing. Do they want to go after him now while the iron's hot or do they want to wait? And they felt like he basically under oath made their entire case on the financial stuff. Uh, because oh, yeah, of everything he admitted. He testified to. So they're like, no, no reason to wait. Go ahead and prosecute him now for that. And you know, um, they talked about, from what I can tell, he is, uh, I wouldn't use the word bankrupt, but I think he's gone through all of his assets. And the other part of this is my understanding is, and y'all tell me if I'm wrong, that Buster got, has a few million dollars that he's gotten from all of this. And I sure hope oh. because if there's going to be appeals, there's going to be lawyers fees for probably years. I sure hope that Alex does not somehow talk Buster into spending all of his money on legal fees for his dad. I mean, but I see that coming. Oh yeah. I mean, well, and, and, and it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens today in the sentencing because Buster supported his dad from what I could tell when he testified. And, you know, you could see his expression when the verdict was being read and you wonder what's going through his mind now. And is he going to testify today? And is he going to testify for the prosecution or is he going to testify for his dad in the sentencing, you know, in the sentencing phase today? Or does he just choose not to testify at all? Yeah, that, that, I, that will be very interesting to see if he's there and how he reacts and if he gets to testify. I didn't I'm sure they'll put what his brother, Alex's brother on the stand, because didn't he testify a bit in the um, guilt phase? Yeah, he did. They probably will. Did Buster get up on the stand during the guilt phase? He did. And that that's what I was talking about when he testified. I did not watch his whole testimony, but he was not. Um, I don't know that he brought out anything earth shattering, but he seemed supportive of his dad. Well, on on this on this money thing, since y'all brought it up, I did have a note on it. I I want to know where all of his money is and where it got how it got spent because the way I understand it is we're talking about millions and millions of dollars that were being inappropriately gained and when I look at his assets and his spending sure he was wealthy and 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 had a not a very nice lifestyle it it didn't seem like he had 
was spending at the level of multi-millionaires to me. I mean, um, Paul had, had a boat. He had a, well, yeah, a boat <laughs> and their their house. They had a huge estate, but they had had that before. And the house on it was not ridiculous. I mean, it was it was a nice home. He had, um, they talked about a few trips, but they didn't really go into detail on that. He had a plane, but it wasn't like a jet plane. It was, it was a, you know, plane that may be worth 150, 200 grand, it looked like. Um, he had, obviously he was spending a lot, but it seems like there's a lot of money that may be unaccounted for. And he was, and he was indicted on laundering charges. So I, I think there's way more to this story, frankly, and I'm not going to get into all my harebrained theories on it, but I think there's way more to this story and I'll be interested to see if we ever get it. And, and I may just be missing kind of the piece of the puzzle on how the money was spent, but I know that they showed that the the guy they kept referring to as Cousin Eddie apparently received over $2 million from them. Well, I was going to say, in the do- I think it was in the documentary, uh, they started showing canceled checks. And a lot of I mean, he was writing Eddie checks for $8,000, $26,000. I mean, it was all over the map, the, the checks he was writing to this guy. And, you know, some people have said on that video that when you hear Maggie say, hey, He's got a bird in his mouth, whatever, that she actually says Eddie, as if Eddie was there. It does kind of sound like Eddie. I've listened to that a few times. We'll we'll never know, but Mm -hmm. uh, there is a theory out there that Eddie was the second guy and that she mentioned his name uh, and that he was already there and and just a few minutes later. And and if that were the case, you know, why would Alex not just say – Eddie's the one who did it. Eddie was there. You can hear Eddie on the, you can hear her say Eddie on the video. And it makes you wonder what, if that, if that is the case, that makes it seem not true or there's something much, much bigger between the two of them that they are involved in. And I'll, I'll just say this. I'm not going to go into them. I promise. If it's, there are a lot of Ozark vibes coming from this family. (laughs) I won't go down that road any further. Somebody stop me. <laughs> well, I, we'll see what all happens. That family was so powerful and it had been ingrained in that county and that area for so long. They could have been involved in anything they wanted to be involved in. I just mm-hmm. think of that. And the last thing I have on my list to cover is something that's popped up on comments to some of our videos, which is, you know, I say there's no explanation for him to lie. And some people have said, well, yeah, the explanation was he was worried about them prosecuting him, that he may look implicated. If that's the case, if that's his motive, if he at that point in time is already worried that they may be trying to pin this on him, he's a prosecutor. He knows he shouldn't be saying anything. And the worst thing he can do is tell a blatant lie because that's only going to incriminate him further. And it did. It turned out to be the thing that got him convicted probably. And he should have known that. So that that as the explanation for it to me carries no weight. And maybe that's a matter of opinion that I'm wrong on, but I just I just I, don't see that at all. I think what happened was he sat in jail long enough to turn himself into a jailhouse lawyer and um they do not make good decisions. Jailhouse lawyers never make good decisions so i really think that's probably what happened and yeah he just 
sat around and was like, hmm, how can I help myself? And then it never helped himself. Yeah, but I mean, he lied about that the night of. He hadn't spent any time in jail at that point. The night of, he immediately lied about it. And that's to, that was so damning to him once it was outed. And he would have known that the worst thing you can do in that situation is to, is to tell that lie and get caught in that lie. And so if it was if it was a simple matter of I'm going to lie because I'm afraid they're they're trying to pin this on me or they might try to pin this on me, I think he would have known better than to do that. Uh, and it, and he probably would have said nothing or he would have said, get my attorney or he would have, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And then remembered it later or something like that. But he, he was he was trying to to just tell this one lie that would cover everything. And it just didn't work for him. And he got caught in it. And so, again, I just don't think that explanation holds up to me at all. Somebody said, well, he was paranoid. And they were talking about the pills that he said. He's paranoid because he just murdered two people. I'd probably be a little paranoid, too. Yeah, I I think that's part of it. You know, it's what Mike Tyson said. You know, everyone has a plan until they're punched in the face. So I think he probably had a plan and what he was going to do. And then once you actually do it, I mean, as depraved of his heart as he has, I mean, it still is has to be surreal. And and yeah, I think it was there was paranoia and oh my god, it's actually happening. I've done this and this is happening. And what do I do? I, there had to be some of that. Okay, well, I'll check back in with everybody about my two ounce fillet. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll stop there. Medium rare or rare? Or... <laughs> we'll we'll upload a picture of it so everybody will know it's an actual steak. <laughs> and maybe and maybe someday I'll I'll get to use one of those pointers that they used. I I, I made a couple of posts about that too, and I've got ridiculed some. But man, it looks so fun to be able to be question a witness and have that pointer just tapping it, pointing. <laughs> Uh, there's no way I could use it without looking like a jerk. <laughs> yep. All right, guys. Y'all, everybody have a good day. Thank you. All right. See ya. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.